Passport Point Guard and Trailblazer reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every day, free on all platforms, five days a week, make it part of your daily routine and make it your first listen every day as Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, the Phoenix Suns, and the, along with the Phoenix Mercury, selling for close to $4 billion. That's going to impact a potential sale of the Blazers whenever that might be. We'll talk about that latest news today. Uh, Ryland Stiles over from the Locked on Thunder podca- podcast is going to join the program to talk about uh, what it was like to be in the building yesterday when Damian Lloyd set the Blazers' all-time scoring record and a little bit of a look ahead to Wednesday's rematch against the Oklahoma City Thunder as the Blazers try to bounce back from a loss on Monday night. And then we'll close the show with Western Conference tiers, first of the season, ranking all fifth teams in the Western Conference from worst to first. Well, really from from worst tier to best tier. But let's start with the news. First reported by Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN and confirmed by multiple parties. The Phoenix Suns, who were you know forced to to be sold by Robert Sarver due to a tumultuous ownership where he created a toxic workplace environment with misogyny and sexual harassment and all types of bad stuff. He, basically, he was forced out by the by the advertising folks by PayPal, uh, and the Suns were going to be sold as a matter of when. Well, when is today? According to ESPN, uh, this sale is going to go through soon, and the and the new owner will be Matt. Ishbia. Who's that? Well, he is a mortgage lending billionaire, a dude who's made his money on mortgages. He's also a former walk-on at Michigan State University who was part of that 2000 championship team along with, um, if you're old enough to remember them, Mateen Cleaves and Morris Peterson and Jason Richardson. Uh, Mo Pete and Jay Rich. Uh, I think Jay Rich has already, uh, has already expressed his support for Ishbia's purchase of the Suns. Uh, we'll wait for Mo, Mo Pete and Mateen Cleaves to weigh in and see if they're see if they're down with it too. But Ishbia is uh, he's reportedly purchasing the Suns as well as the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, the the it had always been, you know, Sarver owned them both. So the sale was supposedly they were trying to sell to one entity and not have um, two owners share the same arena where the Mercury and the Suns both play. So uh, the the price tag of $4 billion is a little bit misleading for just like NBA valuation. It's like well over $3 billion for the NBA team. And you're getting, in addition, a WNBA team that um, certainly the, the future of the WNBA is bright, but I don't think you're buying an NBA team in, in and of itself for like a billion bucks. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's so maybe $4 billion, not a way to talk about what the Suns price is, but north of $3 billion, no prob, Bob. Uh, this, is, this is meaningful for some Blazers reasons because reportedly the Blazers are eventually going to be sold. Uh, more on that in a moment. Real quick, uh, what you need to know about Ishbia is like, all billionaires are weirdos and this dude has like a pretty serious feud with Cavs owner Dan Gilbert. They've both contributed like a boatload of money to Michigan State. Um, they both work in the same mortgage world uh, with um, Rocket Money is what or whatever it's called, Rocket Mortgage uh, that that uh, Dan Gilbert owns. And now they both own an NBA team. Um, if you have unlimited money, you can really create uh, quite the rivalry. Uh, Suns-Cavs, the new greatest rivalry in billionaire world. Um, but... Th- you know, transitioning to why this is meaningful for you, Blazer fan, other than just uh, just a funny, funny billionaire stuff. Uh, reportedly, at the beginning of the season, Phil Knights, you know, founder of Nike, and and along with his ownership group, 
were were trying to purchase the Blazers for in the range of two billion dollars and were rebuffed by Blazers ownership. The Portland, uh, the Allen Estate, eventually released a. Uh, a statement that said neither the Trailblazers nor the Seattle Seahawks were for sale and only, uh, and you know, and folks, uh, folks asking can just, can just wait because the, the Allen estate plans to own the build, own both entities for a long time. And while they eventually will have to sell them due to what's in the will, there is no timeline for that to be sold. And it could be upwards of 10 years before they're sold. Um, that seems like, uh, somewhat reactionary, but if it is, Regardless of what the timeline looks like, the sale of the Suns for, let's call it $3 billion, that's a 50% increase. That's reason number one that you decline that $2 billion price tag for the Blazers. I think it is in the best interests of Portland's long-term franchise for the Allen Estate to sell um, just because I think... You know, you want a team. You want ownership that is going to spend lavishly. You want ownership that's going to say, like, invest in a G League team to make the Blazers on par with 28 other teams in the league. And interestingly enough, the Suns, the other team that doesn't have a G League team, but uh, like, you just the the Blazers have been reluctant to be a luxury tax team. Certainly, if they're more competitive, that changes the calculations of the luxury tax. They haven't been super competitive. That's, you're less likely to to pay the tax. But like. In the final stretch of Damian Lord's prime, you want ownership that's willing to spend whatever it takes to absolutely go for it. And I don't know if this current ownership group will do that. There, there's not a lot that suggests they will. Um, you know, maybe they will and they'll surprise me, but I think the Blazers are better off in the long term with new ownership. Um, I mean, whoever it's going to be is going to be like a billionaire with weirdo rivalry, maybe buying an NBA team to spur their <laughs> spur their fellow college alum or something like that. But um so maybe not root for the billionaire class necessarily because they're all strange, but it is the health of the Blazers franchise, I think would be better served by new ownership and the price 2 billion is just, it's not an, it's just, it's clearly not enough money for the Blazers. The other thing that this means, and, and I, I think this is significant. It's going to be hard for NBA ownership to cry poverty. Um, the negotiation for a new CBA has been pushed back till February between the players union and, and, and the ownership group or the governor's board of governors. Like they're going to push back to February. They're continuing to try to negotiate and try to, you know, figure things out before, before the CBA, like before the, before the thing would have to get ratified or before you'd have to say, okay, we're both opting out and we'll have to figure out a new one. Like they, you'd, you'd like to reach some negotiation, but I don't think the owners can cry poverty when you're selling a, the Phoenix Suns for three plus billion dollars, close to four billion bucks. Um, whatever the 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 someone tried to buy the T Wolves on layaway, whatever the T Wolves sale ends sale ends up going for, certainly might be impacted by um, impacted by this price. That's going, you know, if these teams in non-glamour markets like Phoenix and Minnesota and the Jazz recently sold for a whole bunch of money, like in, in Salt Lake City, if non-glamour markets are selling for this much money, that means things like the Knicks and the Lakers are like a $10 billion asset. You can't cry poverty if you're sitting on $10 billion of assets. And if you can't cry poverty, and you know they will because that's what billionaires do, well, then the super millionaires who are represent your labor class are, are not going to let you get away with it. We're looking at perhaps some strife, perhaps some strife in the future. I think the Suns sale points to some strife and it points to the Blazers price tag. If someone wants to purchase them, whether that be Phil Knight and, and at all, or another entity, we're talking $3 billion. Yesterday's price, yesterday's price is not today's price. And today's price is 3 billion bucks for an NBA team. 
wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. The, the Milwaukee Bucks sold for half a billion dollars not too long ago. And now we're at $3 billion. $3 billion. Well, I, I guess that's what these things cost nowadays. All right. Blazers played a basketball game last night. Damian Lillard became the uh, Portland's all-time leading scorer, and then they lost. But there was someone who was in the arena who works for this podcast network. Ryland Stiles, the host of Locked on Thunder, was there. Uh, in the second segment, he's going to join the program, talk about what it was like to be in the arena, give you a little insight into you know seeing Damian Lillard and interacting with his family and the, and the members of the Thunder franchise behind the scenes, and look ahead to Wednesday's game and how the Blazers can slow down Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the Thunder after they lit him up for a buck 23 in the first meeting. That's what we'll do in the second segment. But first, I want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, and it's 100% online. I think the best way to think about therapy is like uh, taking care of your car. You don't want to wait until your car breaks down to... to try to address the issues. You want to do scheduled routine maintenance to make sure that thing is running well. And your brain, your mental health is the same way. That's why therapy can be useful for you because you're going to do routine maintenance to make sure you are running smoothly, to make sure things in your life are 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 on track, or at least if things are off track, that you are doing the work to make it easier on yourself. You, a Therapy can help when you're having acute trauma, when you're having a major accident, uh, to use the car analogy, but you don't have to wait for that acute trauma to pop up because BetterHelp can be the solution you need. It's the world's largest therapy ser- service that has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists. It's available 100% online, plus it's affordable. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new par- therapist. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA. Betterhelp, H E L P.com slash locked on NBA. All right. The second segment, we're going to look back. I'm going to look a little bit forward. Last night, the Blades played a basketball game in Oklahoma City. It was supposed to be a historic night. And if you listen to this podcast, you probably know how it went down. Damian Lillard becomes the Blazers' all-time leading scorer. And then they lost at the buzzer because they couldn't handle Shea Gilgis-Alexander in in the second half. He scored 24 of his 35 after halftime and gave the Blazers fits, got to the foul line, took 14 free throws, hit go-ahead free throws late in the game, and then a game winner as the buzzer sounded. it was supposed to be this historic moment, and it still was. It just didn't end the way the Blazers wanted. But to offer some perspective on kind of what what it was like to be in the arena, I want to bring on host of Locked on Thunder, Ryan Styles, Ryland Styles, to talk about the the view from the inside and kind of what he saw, and then look ahead to the Wednesday matchup with the Blazers have a rematch against the Thunder right back there in Oklahoma City. Joining me now. Host of Locked on Thunder, Ryland Styles. Ryland, how you doing? Thanks for joining the program. I'm good. Thanks for having me. So you were in the building last night, uh, and you got to be up close and personal for a just a really fun basketball game, a really entertaining basketball game, a historic night on the Blazers' side. Before we kind of talk what happened, because it wasn't very good on the Blazers' end in those final 30 seconds, but before we get into that... What was what was it like to be in the arena? Like and, and particularly in relation to Damian Lillard becoming the Blazers all-time scoring champion. Yeah, it was honestly awesome. It, it was a game that I've been talking about since it happened. Like the whole night, you could feel it. it it's 21 points. Like you knew Dame was gonna get there because he's Dame. 
And so you walk in the arena and Dame's out there warming up and you're just like, I'm sitting on the court that Dame's warming up on. He's about to break this record that will probably never be broken around many franchises, not just Portland, because guys just don't stay around long enough to right. break those kind of records. So like this is a piece of NBA history that will likely never be touched again, or especially of course in Portland and everything like it, it was just so monumental to be there watching him warm up being there after the game with his family out there on the court taking pictures of him like it was crazy to be in that moment with him and with the team and with this just entire sport honestly and I think that the fans were also very awesome with the appreciation they gave Scott Brooks a standing ovation they gave Jeremy Grant a standing ovation two former Thunder uh, people from the organization and then when Dame got the record at the free throw line the timeout happened and in the arena they announced that death dame had broken the record and he immediately got a standing ovation from his own teammates from the crowd as well the thunder saluted him as well on the other bench like i feel like it was it was the rare time where everyone in real time realized how cool this was to be a part of and how amazing this was to see it kind of unfold and then of course we got a heck of a basketball game the best game <laughs> in the in the league last night and one of the best games of the season like the way that that went down and the way that Shea got that game winner off of the Blazers just throwing the inbound to the third row like it was a crazy setup it was a crazy game on a, on a historic night so it, it felt incredibly to be a part of I tweeted that out multiple times you know about how thankful I was to be there and I feel like it was the one time that history was really you know, resonating with people in real time. Yeah. I mean, Dame had mentioned like, Oh, I, I wish I had done this at home. I wish I'd done this at home, but to, to do it there and to get, have a moment where, you know, the, on, I was watching on my couch. Uh, so, but like the Blazers broadcast didn't go to timeout during that commercial. Cause they knew it was going to be special. And they, they stayed in the arena and his, you know, his son walked down and kind of said, Hey dad, like knowing, noting it was special. His whole family's there in OKC. Um, like it's, it's, it's really something. I think the Thunder are maybe the best franchise in the league at recognizing uh, former folks. They really, they really put on for their former Thunders, um, storm chasers, whatever you want to call them. Um, so I'm not, I'm not surprised Scott legends, Brooks. Yeah. yeah, I'm not surprised Scott Brooks and uh, and Jeremy Grant got got shout outs there. That 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 tracks with the times that I've been in the arena. They really put on for their people. Uh, also, the Thunder kind of owe Damian Lillard a little a little tip of the cap, right? Like he 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 put them in this direction. Like he blew it up so they got here. Um, it, does does that resonate at all with the Thunder fan base that like Dame kind of on one you know a bad couple weeks in 2019 put them on the path they're on now? Yeah, if you if you go look at the Thunder subreddit right now, there's already a Photoshop of Shea's face on Dame's body waving off the Thunder from his game winner last night. And and looking back on it, obviously, like the the moment the shot went down, it hurt. But be, because of that shot, the Thunder were able to realize, hey, it's time to pivot. And since then, I mean, you got in an, a historic call for Paul George. You can't do better than that. And since then, right. you know, you, you had Russell Westbrook say, hey, I don't, I, I want to leave too. You didn't have to make that tough call to, to outcast your your franchise guy. He made it for you. And since then, let's face it, I mean, Russell Westbrook has not played at the level that, that you would want him to on that contract. And so it worked out for everyone involved. Russ got to go to Houston and try it. And now he's in L.A. and everything. Paul George got to go where he wanted to go. And the Thunder got a heck of a, a head start on a rebuild where now they have a guy in Shea who can – just start the rebuild as a top 15, top 12 guy in the NBA, whatever you, however you want to situate him in that. You know, uh oh, don't, uh, don't do player rankings. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of player what rankings. He meant, like, what he meant was, oh, he went, it was top tier. He meant top tier yeah. of players in the league. Right. An upper echelon player. And then you draft Chet Holmgren and you're still sitting on a mountain of draft picks while you have Chet Holmgren, while you drafted Jalen Williams, who was really good last night in the win for Oklahoma City. And you have an interesting project, Newsman Jang and Poku. And like, 
you still have a mountain of draft picks and a ton of cap space as well to make trades or or just simply sit on those draft picks and actually select them. So yeah, the, the Dame shot really set all of this in motion. And last night, every Thunder fan was talking about how full circle it felt to have Shea hit the game winner on Dame and, and on Portland in the sense of, you know, it wasn't as big of a deal as bouncing out of the playoffs, but it was a historic night that now Dame has to live with a loss in that, in that night, but that really doesn't matter. I do want to say before we move on about Dame's family, they were, they were all there and they were all fantastic. Dame was so nice. His family is so nice. Like whenever you walk past them in the hallways, they're always so happy and, 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 you know, kind of uh, welcoming or everything and everything else. A very, very talkative, very friendly. I get just, I was so happy for him and especially for the type of, guy he is mark uh before the game and after the game talked about how everyone in the nba walls like they all appreciate how genuine and how and how you know much integrity that dame has and so dame as a person and as a basketball icon deserved that moment i was glad that he got it of course he'd rather have it in portland but i was glad that the thunder kind of uh, stepped up and, and gave him the ovation he deserved as well yeah, I will say like about Dame and his his people. They're like they seem like normal people. You sometimes you're around NBA people and their friends and family, and they do not seem like normal people. Dame's Dame's you know his 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 mom is like a normal person. But a handful of times I've talked to her, his wife is like a normal person. Like um, that's a weird thing to say about someone who's like 32 or whatever. But uh, in NBA circles and the you know. Uh, the half a billion dollars he's made. Not everyone is normal like that. Uh, Dame's people are normal. Um, and they're really, they're, uh, I'm glad you got to experience them a little bit because they are, um, they're good folks, good folks. Um, and, it, and you know, they were all piled into OKC to see a special moment that went south. Uh, quite frankly, for selfish uh, podcast-based reasons, not great, not great for the old Locked On Blazers podcast. <laughs> not great. Um, you know, we don't need to rehash it. If, if, if you missed the game and both of us over on Rollins podcast on Locked on Thunder and, and over on Locked on Blazers, we, we recap the game. It's waiting there for you. What I want to ask is kind of looking forward. The Blazers gave up 24 points in the second half to Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He lived at the free throw line. It's what he does. He's great at drawing fouls. One of the best players in the league at drawing fouls. What type of defenders have given him trouble this year? Like what type of, what is like the prototype for slowing him down? Honestly, it's just throwing an abundance of length at him. Like it, it hasn't been a particular guy. Like Dylan Brooks has done good, but really it's been Memphis. Like that's given him trouble. Everyone, everywhere else, it's kind of been the same story of last night. Like, yeah, there's some nights where he's shooting two of 10 in the first half, right? right. But then in the second half, he catches fire and he's fine. The, the defensive strategy, though, that's really hurt him is whenever you just pack the paint with length and athletic ability to defend the shot without fouling. And if you can do that, which is hard to do, obviously, but if you can do that with limiting your fouls and throwing that length at him, the Thunder just do not have enough shooters right now to make you pay for it. And so if you can do that and he sprays it out to Muscala or he sprays it out to Aaron Wiggins and they just so happen to not have their best night shooting, then the Thunder offense is going to stall and things are going to go south. There is a possibility that you do that and he kicks it out to Isaiah Joe and Isaiah Joe goes three for six from three and and Muscala goes two for four from three and all of a sudden they hit a couple of shots and it still works out for OKC. But the Thunder just need more shooting to help him not face that kind of defense. But that is the blueprint for, for slowing down Shea. It's just doing what Memphis does. Like if you can pack in there guys like Steven Adams, Jer uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark right. all at the same time, you're going to stop SGA at the rim. The problem is not a lot of teams have those three guys. Yeah, and I think the the Dylan Brooks Jaron Jackson combo is the key, right? Because Dylan Brooks is he's not very fast, but he's strong. He's like football player type, like he's really physical. So he's going to get up in you and make it tough. And then from there, you have 
freaky Jaron Jackson Jr., who's one of the best shot blockers in the league at the rim. And if it's not Jaron, if you can space him out and get creative to get him out of the paint, you know, Stephen Adams is a giant person and it helps to have giant people. I feel like last night the Blazers really missed Yusuf Nurkic. I feel like they really missed him because his best skill is just rim deterrence. Like he's not a great shot blocker, but being in the way, he's a great rim deter. And on the other end, they could have just fed him in the post for some easy baskets um, because the Thunder are not very girthy. They're not a lot. They're not a, um, got, they got some size, but not a lot of thickness down there. They're not going to handle a seven foot, 300 pounder, um, you know, with a handful of post-ups. I feel like the Blazers missed Nurk a little bit. I think they'll try Jeremy Grant on him more. You know, the Blazers went with yep. Josh Hart and they went with Justice Winslow, particularly late, um, to put strength on him because that seems to, it's like, okay, he doesn't shoot threes. So we want to just, we want him to, he's going to try to get to the mid range, going to try to get to the cup. Let's put strength on him. It didn't work. It didn't work. Like they couldn't handle him in the second half, couldn't keep him off the line, couldn't keep him out of the paint, couldn't keep him out of that little 14 foot range where he is good. And at the end of the game, they should have double teamed him and they didn't. Well, what are you going to do? Um, sometimes yeah. it's like that. Uh, one more thing. Do you like these little two game sets? Do you like playing the same opponent twice? Does that, as, as an NBA fan, not as a media member, as a fan, does this, does this, like you just watch the Thunder win. Are you excited to watch them play the same team on Wednesday? So I think that it's two different perspectives, right? I think that for me, I like it for, for who I'm a fan of, like the Thunder get a chance to kind of simulate what a playoff series would be like, because we're going to see tomorrow on Wednesday tonight, whenever the Blazers, as you mentioned, they could throw, if they get, uh, you know, your, uh, your coach back, then you put Grant on Shea and then have Grant funnel Shea in to the, to the paint deterrent down there, as you call them, then that changes the entire complexity of how Shea's going to have to play that game tomorrow compared to how he played it Monday. And the Blazers can get away with that because as you mentioned, yeah, you're going to take, Grant off the four, but the Thunder's four is only six, seven. So your three or two can slide down there and defend them very well. And so the Thunder are going to get a taste of what it's like game to game whenever you're playing teams four straight times, five straight times in the playoffs and, and how they're going to have to take the counter punch. They can't, they won the game Monday. That's great. But there's going to be another layer Wednesday that you have to figure out. Now, for Portland, for the Clippers, for teams that are for sure going to be in the playoffs, I would not like it if I, if my team was in that area. For example, the Thunder played the Clippers early this year. The two times the Clippers are going to come to OKC this year, they didn't have Paul George for one. They didn't have Kawhi for either. The Thunder capitalized, beat them twice. That's two right. losses that the Clippers wouldn't otherwise have just due to the fact that at that moment, they didn't have their guys. And so that really hurts you in the standings like the Western Conference is right now. But for the Thunder, there is a huge benefit, the much less the travel, but the huge benefit being what I mentioned about the strategies and like understanding, hey, game to game in the NBA, we're not going to, you know, it's 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 easier to kind of practice what you preach and for Mark to get his message across of, hey, this is real life. Like this is tangible things I'm telling you. It's harder to to realize that whenever you play once in October and once in February, it's harder to carry over those lessons. The lessons carry over so much better for a young team Monday to Wednesday than than October to, to February. Absolutely. I, I, anecdotally, I think it's hard to win two of these. The Blazers swept the T-Wolves in a home home series. They also split with the Suns when the Blazers didn't have Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. They won a game in Phoenix. Like it's just, it's just hard to beat a team twice. The next night after that, shorthanded Blazer team lost by 200,000 points against the Suns. I think it was only 20 in the box score, but it was not a competitive basketball game for any of it. Uh, for the sake of the Blazers and, and, and you know, listenership to this podcast, come on, Portland. Don't, don't lose twice to OKC. Don't do it. Um, 
you know, with all due respect to Thunder fans, they're used to losing podcasts. They can handle it. They can handle it. They got a big, they got a much wider view than what we're doing in Portland. Rylan, thanks so much for joining the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. That's just the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Whatever that sports action is, you're going to find it on the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to the NBA to the NHL. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those on BetOnline as well. Like I said, the fastest and easiest way to get all of your sports betting info. So head on over to that website today. Go there on the desktop or even use your mobile device. That's Bet Online where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Oops, that's how we do the intro. But uh, yeah, third segment. We made it back. I'm already, I'm in intro mode, baby. Uh, what I want to do to close the show, thanks for Ryland for hopping on the second segment. What I want to do to close the show is Western Conference tiers. Uh, we used to do these more often, and quite frankly, the Western Conference has been so jumbled that I have avoided doing this because it would have been like, Western Conference tier, these 11 teams all in the same tier. I think I've got it um, spaced out a little bit where I think there's some stratification between the teams. Uh, I've got six tiers here in the West. We're going to count all 15 teams from worst to best. Uh, it's This is sort of my equivalent of a power rankings, but I think the difference in saying like between sort of like one and three is kind of like, yeah, these teams are about in the same same area. And so I think a tier to me makes more sense for how I think about them. So let's run through it. 15, all 15 teams in the West, the, the sixth tier, the bottom tier are teams that are bad. That's the Spurs and the Rockets. Uh, you know, two young teams that are not particularly interested in winning in the near term. The Rockets run maybe be the worst offense in the in the league it is it is chaotic and a lot of times they just don't um they're just playing pickup basketball it looks like when they run two-man stuff with Jalen Green and Alperin Shangoon they're pretty good when they do anything else it's a nightmare um they're bad and and they're bad on purpose and they're super young they've got a lot of good young parts the future is bright the present is dim uh the Spurs they're kind of you know they've they've got some vets that contribute like Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott and Jakob Pertl, of course. Um, then they've got these young vets, Devin Vassell and Kelton Johnson, that are useful. And then they've got a bunch of kind of just f- filler youngsters that are probably not part of the long-term future beyond Jeremy Sohan. Um, the Spurs are going to accomplish their goal of being one of the truly bad teams this year. It took them a while to commit to rebuilding. They've committed to it. They're bad. That's your bottom tier. In the fifth tier, we've got teams with an all-star that are not good. That's the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Lakers would have been up a tier, but with Anthony Davis out for at least a month and likely a lot longer, this is where they are. They've got an all-star in, in LeBron James who is after a slow shooting start to the season, still an excellent NBA player in his 20th NBA season. Um, Hard to believe, but it's real. He's he's just he's still really good. The, their roster just stinks outside of that. Like they're they're it's a mess. They got too many too many point guards, not enough wings. Uh, it's they're not good. Uh, but they do have LeBron James, and they're on TV a lot. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, super young, and like are knocked up a tier because of how good Shea Gilgis Alexander is. He's he's a superstar. I think he'll make an All Star team for the first time this year. He's he's just an excellent basketball player. 
um, one of the one of the best players in the league, um, hidden in Oklahoma City. That's why they're in this fifth tier. In the fourth tier, I've got two more teams. These are the walking wounded. That's the Golden State Warriors, who are without Steph Curry for a few weeks as he deals with a shoulder injury, and the uh, Timberwolves, who are without Kyle Anthony Towns till deep into the new year. Um, so. Yeah, like I, I think the Wolves are worse than the Warriors, but the Warriors' record hasn't gotten right, and they've pretty much relied on Steph Curry. And without Steph, I, I don't see them making a big climb in the standings. They just—they're built to—he's built to be the engine of that team. And, and like Draymond's way worse without Steph, and all of those things. Like he's—he makes the complementary parts better. He—he—he he, he makes everything tick. Um, that's why the fourth tier is Warriors and Wolves alone. The third tier is your most crowded tier. Uh, the team most likely to slip out of the third tier into the fourth is the Dallas Mavericks, just because they're dealing with some health stuff. Um, Maxi Kleba has having hamstring surgery. He's going to miss a long time and like perhaps done for the season a long time. Um, he's it, that's a bummer. He's a, a, a really good defender and a, and when he was making shots, a useful floor spacer, an important part of their playoff lineups for sure. Um, he's th they will miss Kleba. He's he he can help. He and he does help him. And Dorian Finney-Smith apparently has a, a groin injury that's going to be out for a little while, uh, depending on how long DFS is out. Like that's two of their best role players, two of their their key their key role players. The secret to the to the uh, Av sauce is that. Luka Doncic is the sun, and they've got some useful parts rotating around the sun. And part of that was the versatility that Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith um, provided, particularly DFS. Their best defender, a really good offensive rebounder, um, just a good basketball player, and they'll miss him. Uh, the, the Mavs are the bottom of the third tier. The rest of the tier is the Jazz, Kings, Clippers, and Blazers. I think the Clippers, while the Mavs are the team most likely to fall out, the Clippers are the team most likely to climb above this tier. They're good when they're good players play. It's a weird, weird phenomenon. Um, but you can't count on Kawhi Leonard playing basketball games. You, you really can't count on Paul George playing a ton of basketball games. They've had a lot of injury issues in a believable way for a team which their two best players have had availability issues. Kawhi more than any other star in the league. Like, will he play each night? Um, in a league where teams are obsessing over load management, Kawhi Leonard's probably the only star in the league that really cares about load management in a meaningful way. His availability makes the Clippers, you know, a, a, just a huge question mark. And beyond that, they don't have enough dudes who can dribble to the rim. <laughs> they, they could use in other guys who could dribble from the three-point line to the rim. They got a lot of dudes who can shoot threes, not a lot, and a lot of dudes who can get to the rim. When they're healthy and whole, they're a very good basketball team that is, you know, could beat anyone in the league. They're just not healthy and whole enough. In, in that middle tier, uh, you've got the Jazz, Kings, and Blazers. Three good offensive teams that are that are pretty bad on defense. Um I think the Kings and the Kings and the Jazz are a surprise to me. I think maybe in other parts of the world, the Blazers are a surprise to other teams with their their success so far this season. All three of these teams look like they could very comfortably make the playoffs uh, and avoid the play-in. But um, you know, the West is tough, and one of this one of these teams is very likely to end up in the play-in just was just with how the math works. Um, that's that's your tier three: Blazers, Clippers, Kings, Jazz, and Mavericks. And tier two by themselves are I don't know what to do with them. It's the Pelicans. They profile statistically as an elite basketball team. They have the statistical profile of a team that could win a championship. That's what the that's what their you know top tier offense, top tier defense suggests. That is win a championship level good. But when I watch them play they are missing a little bit of half court juice. They just do not they when they play against really good teams and they get into crunch time, they're missing half court juice. That thing, that half court scoring ability is on the bench in Brandon Ingram. When he gets back from a toe injury, they're a different basketball team. 
they also might take a step back on defense playing more him and less Najee Marshall um, and and Herb minutes. Like, no, Herb Jones and Najee Marshall, really fun wing tandem. Brandon Ingram, incredible offensive player, but you lose some of that um, just de- wing tenacity, defensive tenacity on the wings. Uh, Najee Marshall, a longtime favorite of this podcast, has is is he's he's been hooping uh, this year, and he helps. They are alone in that second tier. And then your top tier, Grizzlies, Nuggets, and Suns. The Suns have, you know, they they had a stretch where Chris Paul was out, um, and uh, and then Devin Booker was out, and then Devin Booker playing by himself kind of propped up the Suns for a little bit. He missed a couple games, he came back, and without CP back, they weren't very good. Then CP came back, and they were still bad because Chris Paul, who's 37 years old, looks like a 37 year old basketball player. Last couple nights, Chris Paul has looked good again, particularly this, the last Suns game. He looked like. The dude who at age 36 last year was the engine of a very, very, very good offense. Who knows how consistent that could be. But if they, again, their statistical profile suggests that they're one of the very good teams. And if, you know, I think a lot of it is just CP's consistency. If, if Chris Paul is a good offensive player, they're going to be good. If he heads in the other direction, father time remains undefeated. Um, yeah, it, then then they're, they're likely to slip out of this tier. The top tier are... Uh, are the Nuggets, who are an elite offense and a terrible defense, but Nikola Jokic is just so darn good, he can prop you up. Um, you know, the Nuggets are second in defense and twenty or second in offense, 27th in defense as I'm recording this episode. Like, uh, this is before the game start on Tuesday. You're listening to Wednesday, December 21st show. Um, yeah, like, th- you probably can't win a championship with the, one of the five worst defenses in the league. In fact, you can't win a championship with one of the five worst defenses in the league. So picking the Nuggets to be a title favorite over a team like Phoenix or a team like New Orleans that, again, profile like a team that could win a title is probably foolish. But right now, during the regular season, with the way the offense can be, and if Jamal Murray gets more healthy and if they ever get Michael Porter Jr. back, again, health questions for guys who've been who've had health issues, uh, if they ever get that rolling, I think they can be even better on offense. And during the regular season, that makes you a juggernaut. It's a whole different conversation when he gets to the playoffs. Grizzlies profile as 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 a as a championship quality team. Uh, you know they're the second best record in the NBA last year. Jaron Jackson Jr. is back and healthy and awesome. Ja Morant is very good. They've got you know they've got just intriguing young parts. They conceive they just somehow just they add David Roddy's out of the late first round and Santi Aldama's to the to the starting lineup off the deep bench last year. And it's like, oh, these dudes are totally competent and fine. Um, you know, it they've been doing all this without Desmond Bain in the lineup. When he gets back, that's another very, very good basketball player on both ends of the court. That really helps. Um the Grizzlies might be the if there was a tier by themselves, that's where they'll be. Memphis and Denver play tonight. So by the time you're listening to this, someone will have won that game, and maybe these tiers will sound a little bit um, foolish. But for me right now, your top tier are Grizzlies, Nuggets, Suns. Your second tier, Pelicans. Your third tier, Blazers, Clippers, Kings, Jazz, and Mavs. And the fourth tier, your Warriors and Wolves. Five is Wolves. Wolves. Uh, Five is Lakers and Thunder and six, Spurs and Rockets. Those are your Western Conference tiers. We'll do this again in the future. I think we're getting some stratification as we get a little bit deeper into the season. Blazers play the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday. Uh, Damian Lillard added to the injury report. He's listed as probable with a wrist injury. Casey Holdolf, Trailblazers.com reports that uh, that Dame's risk was looked at after the game, a shooting wrist. And but um, you know, uh, probable is is a good sign. Yusuf Nurkic, who missed Monday's game, who was listed as questionable, and then and then 
he was off the injury report, then questionable, then out. He's back to questionable heading into Wednesday's game. He's been dealing with a calf injury. Um, Gary Payton, not back. I don't think he's coming back on this road trip. But if Nurk plays, that's a game changer for the Blazers. Um, obviously, the availability of Damian Lillard will matter. But Thursday show, we will recap that game at OKC. Friday show, we'll look ahead to the weekend and beyond for the Blazers. Five days a week, available wherever you get podcasts. It's also on YouTube. Tell your friends about the show and make it your first listen every day. That way, you and your pals will have something to talk about by the time you get to lunch. How about you make your second listen, Lockdown Sports Today, 22-minute program covering all the major stories across all the major sports leagues here in North America. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.